The thing is not how you are on your best days, how can you step up on your worst day? What's your, when everything is going terrible, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're edgy, how do you treat other people? Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. On this episode, Bellelli and I are back, and in an attempt to find something pleasant to chat about after the Uvalde massacre, we'll start out with an amazing 250-year-old tree, ponder reincarnation, wonder about mysterious echoes of losses in our lives seem to create, and then quickly devolve into the insane gun fetish the United States has, where even the average 12-year-old thinks life sucks. It is time for solution-oriented approach to fixing things, starting with helping the world in small ways that create ripples that lead to larger effects. The time is now, and here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dallas Podcast begins now. All right, everybody, welcome back. Episode 220 of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Bolelli finds himself off on vacation in Italy and is having a fantastic time. So I'm just going to quickly get through the most important stuff, the fine folks that help us keep this show on the air. And our number one favorite is our friends at Grassland Beef. Boy, they are more than just beef. Lamb, pork, seafood, poultry, all kinds of amazing stuff. If you've never tried any bison out, a bison burger may be just the sort of thing you need to give a shot at as we get into the true summertime grilling season. I can't recommend it enough. Fantastically delicious. More nutritious than skinless chicken in an amazing way because... Those bisons are always strolling and walking while they graze. Go ahead and give it a try. Grasslandbeef.com. They will get your order out to you frozen and ready for your consumption. I also want to give a quick shout out. Kiva.org. We are approaching $200,000 in loans from your fellow listeners. In a moment when times are tumultuous to say best, it's an amazing feeling to be able to help a stranger in the world to help improve their lives a little bit. It costs you $25, and when they return the loan money, you get it all back and are able to loan it again. Way to feel a little better about yourself. Give a look. There are many loans available. Kiva.org. I cannot recommend it enough. And when you get there, you feel free to join Team Drunken Dallas and be one of our uh, fellow members. But now for the most important part. The incredible heroes that help us stay on the air, the people that are willing to donate to our fantastic little program here, as always appreciated. And here we go. Let's wreck a few names. Let the pottering begin. Aaron Wisner, Austin Stillwell, Clayton Payne, Frederick Hahn, Jonathan Waterlow, Stephen McKee, Ryan Merklin, Stephen Notarani. Lisa Robles, Nick Zunick, Nicola Tongi, Astis Juka, sorry about that, Thomas Robinson, John Varaga, that's more of a Vergara, John Vergara, I knew I'd wreck some, Joseph Lord, 
Jim D'Amico, Ed and Carrie O, Isaac Sharp, Joseph Lord, Stephen Rados, Samuel Rodelli, Donald Chip Witten, and Lane Raper. Thank you so much. We appreciate it as always. It helps us keep this thing on the air. And I can't thank you enough. What else can we say at this point? All right, guys, we're going to jump in real quick. I want to give a quick shout out to Daisy House. You can find their music at Bandcamp slash Daisy House. They have several albums out there, and they're responsible for the iconic Drunken Towers theme that just so perfectly fits the energy of the show. And we've always appreciated them and sure appreciate them helping out. So everybody, thanks for listening. We'll get into this one pretty quickly. Good episode. I hope you enjoy it. So for now, have a great day. And here we go. Come up the coast, nine o'clock in the morning, sun just bouncing off of it. Yeah. And then come peeling down into here, which is like picturesque as what could be more. They're, yeah. But then when I came around the corner, this giant tree you have, maybe three houses up. Yep. I've driven past it 87 times at least. Pretty much. But today, maybe just because the sun was kind of low amazing amazing it must be 200 feet tall yeah it's humongous it has a covers pretty much an entire like the whole house which is a large lot and one's and next to it covers everything that is it's one of the streets that you look at and first yeah if you're on mushrooms you would spend a lot of time looking at Hello, the tree. tree but beside that it's one of the streets that clearly given the size and everything is easily I'm gonna guess 250 years old. It's uh, there was a tree where I used to live before that was about 250 years old, and it was right about as wide as that one. That one maybe even slightly wider. So think about that. Think yeah. about the stuff that that tree has seen. Did it's, you say it was here before? This area was Mexico. It yeah. was still Chumash. Yeah, I mean, if you if you we go by 250 years, we are talking late 1700s late 1700s <laughs> that is nuts you know so it's um it's funny that you mentioned that exact number though because like the big summer star one of the big ones comes up is a double set of stars that is 251 light years away so that's an equal amount of time so when that light left that star that tree sprouted right that's where no it's yeah, nuts think about how much it's nuts yeah maybe out here Miles and miles away, there were missions somewhere. Other than that, it was uh, too much land. And that's what that tree has seen. And then it has seen uh, uh, Spanish, well, it became Me well, or Spanish colonialism. Then it became Mexico. Then Mexico, there was the Spanish, the Mexican-American War. We'll take 1846, that. 1846, 1848, Mexico got kicked out. U.S. takes over the gold rush, uh, the creation of uh, like L.A. and all that. And then taco Nuts. trucks. And that's and now he's the tree is there saying hello to Rich driving in, saying, <laughs> Oh, here is another chapter in the human adventure. I'm telling you, it's a fantastic tree. Yeah. It really is um 
It really is beautiful. I That's one of the things that I miss. Like Southern California, you do get trees like that, and it's fantastic. But for the most part, you know, if you go hiking, it's a lot of overgrown brush, pretty much. It's yeah. not. I miss, you don't like the chaparral. I miss <laughs> hiking in, uh, you know, you go places like the Black Hills and these old pines and things. That's yeah. a different kind of hiking from uh, hiking in... Uh, yeah, Southern Cal doesn't do it for me. Like, I love hiking. I do not care to hike in Southern Cal. I just don't like... It's just dusty, deserty. Yeah. I mean, if you're a fan of succulents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan. They've been all fan. picked up anyway. Have you, ever, have you ever been to the Great Smoky Mountains? There's some hiking there, and there's like seven. Who knows now? There's still water there. Like seven waterfall hikes. Wow. That take you just through nowhere. Is it... Uh I'm gonna go on a. Is that Carolinas or where? It's the edge of uh, North Carolina okay. and Tennessee. Okay, okay. So Carolina, Tennessee. I figured. Yeah. I believe I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think that's what they shot uh, Last of the Mohicans. Mm, which, that would if make you sense. see the movie, the nature is incredible. Is yeah. unreal how beautiful it is. In springtime, you can see baby bears walking with their mamas. Adorable. Don't get close. No, don't get close. There'll always definitely. be some fool. I'm gonna get me a selfie. Of course. Speaking of bears, last night I saw... Oh, check this out. So for the first time, I said that... So there's a movie that... I mentioned it before, but there's a movie that um, had an incredible impact on me. And normally movies that I enjoy, I get to watch them two, three, four, five, six, ten times over the years. It's a movie I was never able to touch again because uh, it was too much. And uh, Legends of the Fall... Oh. Well, I'll get into the why of uh, it made me feel that way. But there's a scene that, and last night I started watching it again, and it hit just as hard as I thought it would. Can you even listen to the soundtrack? Or if you hear the soundtrack, music? Soundtrack, I'm will... okay. Soundtrack, I'm okay. Pretty amazing, though. It is. But they reminded me because there's a scene where at the very beginning, the character played by Brad Pitt goes off and touch a sleeping bear, which is always a great idea to do. Go find a bear that's sleeping and go put a hand on them. That one is hilarious. But you know what? That actually takes me to another topic. That movie, there have been a couple of things as of late. They really make me tackle the topic of reincarnation. And that movie is one of them where it hits on a level for me that has absolutely no parallel in my life. It's not that I haven't seen uh, revenge stories before or things that are going down that path, but they are not nowhere close to what that movie does. There are some scenes there that hit me at a level that's it's weird. It's hard to describe because it's like it's too familiar kind of feeling. Wow. Even though when you, I'm there, I'm like, it's nothing to do with my life on any level, you know? But it hits in a way that I'm watching and I'm like, oh shit, I remember this. The way things and play yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, this is a story I've told many times for sure, so why not? Yeah, it's um, and and I guess the other one that has been um, the reason why it came to my mind the reincarnation. I mean, that movie always did it made me think like, what the hell is up here? Because it doesn't make sense. 
But the other angle has been uh, raising Isabella, being around her. She really makes me think of reincarnation a lot. Because from the get-go, when she was little, there were times where something happened here and there where I was like, who the hell are you? Because you're not a two-year-old kid or an eight-year-old kid or a 12-year-old kid. I mean, you are, but there's something else there too. And there's, uh, I mean, like the other day, this was a big shock to me because um, she has been, I paid a lot more attention to her singing than her writing because uh, singing is something that's so foreign to me. I can't sing three notes in a row that are halfway decent. So I'm blown away because I'm like, that's just human. That has nothing to do with me. It's nothing I've done. It's nothing I've influenced you. This is just you, that you have this thing. And and the singing already is powerful, right? Right. But then if you start reading, writing, I didn't pay as much attention because I'm like, okay, you write. Great, okay. You know, my dad wrote, I write. It's like, it's like it's, it doesn't impress me as much because I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar with that. You know, it's like, but she's been showing me some stuff that she's been writing lately. And uh, I dug up, last few days, I dug up some of my writings from when I was 11, 12, 13 years old. And everybody was always cheerleading me like I was the greatest thing ever. Like, man, nobody, it's, what are you, you're old, how old, 12, there's no way anybody writes like you. And I read it and I'm like, that wasn't bad, it was good. I mean, I can see why people were like, and then I look at this stuff and we're not even in the same league. Like she's so much better than me at that age. It's not. I'm not quite ready to say that she's so much better than me now, even though I may be, have to begin <laughs> considering it. But at, compared to where I was at her age, compared to where she is, not even the same league. Like she's so such a better writer, so much. And the thing that's different is that I could crank out one of those like maybe twice a year where I just squeeze everything in my soul and put something in there that really hit the spot. Right. She cranks them out, not exactly on command, but kind of. Like she'll just sit down and write something and two days later she's written another and two days later she's written another. All of qualities that's superior to my best effort of the year ever at that time. She's tapped into the... So I'm like, holy hell, how old are you again? Who the hell are you? What's going on here? Because it's, you sure as hell don't seem like somebody who's, like this shit does not equal your life experience. You know what I mean? What you're putting on the page, what you're putting in your voice, what you're putting in some of the things, don't translate well to just where you've been from. Granted, she's been through a lot of shit and that makes you, forces you to deal with deeper emotion and all of it, but still. What do you think about all the access to so much information? Like, you would have never had. So the exposure she's had in a year is probably sure, 10 years worth. But I look at the kids she knows and, and they are nice kids. <laughs> you know, they are cool kids, but they are clearly kids you know they are yeah. something else they are oh he's an uh, even smart ones he's like you're a smart kid that's cool i don't get that same thing of like what the hell is going on here you know and with her i think i told you that was uh it ranks up as probably one of the 
two, three most powerful experiences of my life when she was little. You know, when uh, I guess I'll say it again. I'm sure I mentioned it on the podcast before, but it was really like super high up when uh, she was probably two. Her mom had died a few months before she and and I was going crazy because, you know, we're losing our house. My career was going to shit. I'm trying to raise her. I'm trying to figure out what to do for money. I'm just stress is piling to the hundredth level and when i would put her down for a nap during the afternoon that was my oxygen it's just i would come up for a (sighs) and finally i would get to work like okay what do i do to get us some money to figure something out to do this and that so i needed it literally like i needed oxygen so one day i put her you know there's a whole ritual putting her down for her nap because it's not just as easy as put her down as they have to mellow her out and read and sing and do this and she goes off don't wake her up oh man like okay good five minutes later and i'm like shit so i go up restart the whole thing again spend 10 minutes calming her down do the whole thing she's passing out i put her down yes come down start working on my stuff two minutes later she's awake again and that's when i realized she's done napping she's not gonna each by the way that was for real she was done napping she never napped again after that i think and uh yeah she stopped napping really early which sucked but somebody should have introduced you to benadryl right sir. and uh i go up <laughs> and as i'm walking toward a, a room i feel like something just broke in me right i'm just done i feel like i have nothing left to give i don't know how we're gonna do anything like 20 minutes from now because i've officially reached the end i have nothing left in the tank i'm done so i i walk in i don't even look at her not because i'm mad at her but because i'm so just exhausted with so i just put my hand on her in her crib just to let her know i'm here you can relax but i'm not even looking at her right and i'm just um and you know she's and all of a sudden halfway through a cry it goes dead silent it's like and i'm like she choking what's going on so i look up and she's just staring at me perfect eye contact and without breaking eye contact she's just sitting up she grabbed my hand she bring it close to her and she just gently caressing my hand as she keeps her eye to eye with me and I start getting flooded with this feeling where she, like what I see in front of me is not my two-year-old kid. It doesn't feel like she's not her, you know, it still feels like her, right. but it feels like her from a different timeline, if that makes any sense. Yes. There's an insane amount of power in that person next to me. There's an insane amount of wisdom and power and energy that I'm just overwhelmed by. She keeps this nonstop eye contact, and I feel like, like in my brain, I feel this feeling of somebody who's telling me, look, I know this is hell. I know this sucks. You have every reason to, but you're going to be okay. Trust me on this. It's going to work out. And she just keep gently caressing me. Last for like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And then she goes back to being Goo Goo Gaga and being a two-year-old. And I remember fin- like at the end of that, I was like, what in the actual fuck was that? 
because that was not my baby you know again yes and no like i didn't feel like something else but it and it's so hard to describe because there's other shit that happened in my life where clearly is objectively weird right where it's like yeah that doesn't this was not objectively weird it's like uh, it's a kid who's maybe sensitive and caressing your hand it doesn't translate to what actually happened. Like what I felt there, what I saw there was something else altogether. Wow. Do you, you think it was more of a channeling or something or something reaching no across that need, you knew you needed right. something at oh, that yeah. moment, clearly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, and once in a while I got it with her. Sometime when she sings, sometime when there's something that she does where she just, something comes through and it's, way different from just what she has experienced in her life who she is today because again she's a super smart kid but she's a kid you know at the end of the day she's about to turn 13 she's still like you know not even a teenager and that kind of thing yeah in a but, second but once in a while some of the stuff that comes through i'm just like yeah i don't know how to explain it other than reincarnation because i know exactly what i put into you in terms of education and raising you and growing you and all the nutrients put into who you are <laughs> they don't add up to what i see in front of me you know you were there for all of it every so, second of it yeah so those are what are your feelings on reincarnation what and again we're talking feelings because of course nobody fucking knows anything but i don't know i i just have a polite notion with my old orange cat that there was a time when i was the cat and he was the human oh that's funny because uh apparently the vikings would have orange cats on their boats for good luck that's funny so, so while you are off raiding ireland i was just uh, a cat oh right or rather yeah the other one was yeah. raiding ireland that you are hanging out for the it's a crazy sort of bond. I mean, that's silly, but I don't know. I definitely feel like he and I have bumped into each other before. That's, yeah, it does happen like that, right? You meet somebody and you're like, oh, it's so-and-so. And he's like, yeah, but you've never met them before. But it, there's this sense of familiarity that's like, yeah. It's like you've been there the whole time. And then Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It's a rare thing, but it does happen. Uh -huh. Click, I don't know, one mom, yeah. Absolutely. Dude, uh, one of my best friends from high school. We didn't know each other for long, but it was like it clicked. Right. And that was that. And now everybody thinks these guys must be brothers. They're too much alike. Right. Yeah, it's... I think that's what keeps the whole... The whole thing fascinating to me is that it does feel like what we know about life is such a dot compared to what there is to know. Yeah. that even all our tragedy and suffering and things are they they are of course they are real of course they are dramatic of course because that's all we know right so and you it has to happen to make it work so, so it what is, you gonna do right so no, of course it doesn't mean you take them less seriously yeah. but at the same time there's a feeling sometime where it's like yeah this is a minuscule part of a much larger story and uh, and occasionally yeah when you get the universe winking reminding you that I don't know, my stuff, um, I've always been fairly terrorized by death because I'm, uh, I tend to get very attached to things, to people, to everything. I'm very nostalgic. I don't want things to change, which, guess what? The yeah. universe is not designed to cater to that. Not it's, even a little bit. Everything changes all the time. And intellectually, I understood other ways of looking at it, but in practical terms, 
no emotionally i would still feel like uh, all of this shit is just too much all of it is just and now for some reason since my father died which mm -hmm. was atrocious it was terrible but something has changed in me and i don't know why like something has clicked in a different way where i don't have the same degree of phobia the same degree of terror for the whole thing well you know it's a major character in your life and you've been through it now so yeah. you realize what seems impossible to survive yep. is somehow survivable and that is a big yeah i remember feeling the same way afterwards too I mean, yeah, if he can go, anybody can. Oh, for sure, for sure. But also, there's a feeling, hundred percent, what you're saying, and there's also a feeling of, uh, I don't know why, and it can be completely delusional, but I do get the feeling that it's not over, kind of thing. Like I don't get the feeling that he's gone, gone. I get the feeling that it sucks that I don't get to talk to him or see him, but I also got some kind of a feeling of. Uh, there's something. I mean, even like the Fadi, I told you that story, the Facebook winking thing. Yes. Where he died and days later on a post my mom made about him, there's a Franco Bolelli like this post and I look in the likes and he's not there, but it only shows up on my notifications and we refresh it multiple times <laughs> and it's still there and then we refresh it one more time and his name disappears. Goes to the machine. And I was like, okay, I don't know what to make of that, but so take all these with a humongous grain of salt because of course i don't know any more than anyone else does on this topic but i am fascinated by these echoes that seem to show up in different ways of things that you can't quite explain why you have this strong affinity for something or why you click with somebody the way you do or they seem familiar or why somebody seemed to possess something that has nothing to do with the experiences of this lifetime these are all interesting ones, you know? Well, I just... Would it be a nihilist that just, oh, it all goes black when you die and it doesn't matter because none of it makes any sense? Uh, yeah, that's not... I, and ultimately, it's just pessimist? as... Uh, yeah, it's it just based on fate as anything else because you don't know any more than anyone else does. Exactly. But I, I feel know. totally the same way. It just seems like too much of a waste of energy, mm -hmm. you know? All this to make all this <clears> go down... I'd, I'd like to think we do get to skip from place to place and mm -hmm. try it all out. I, of all things, I think I dig Duncan's notion of the of the arcade on the other side yeah. where yep. you can drop in. Oh, that's about those go about hundred years. Oh, let's try that. Yep, yep, yep. And move around and cosmic video game. Yep, that's kind of a comforting thought. Yep, for sure. Because it does all click off, man. That does kind of suck. What what you gonna do about it? Right. So. Why even worry about that being a possibility? Yep, yep, yep. Might as well lean towards and not hedging my bets in ways that, you know, I'm self-flagellating to punish myself, but, you know, to behave yourself. To be offered this incredible experience and be a dick or wreck the place or not care yeah. seems insane. Sure is. Seems very popular, too. <laughs> seems to be a very popular choice. I just um, love Death and Robots is this sort of like, little clusters of like 20 minute I watched cartoons it. About the new season came out and the first one is this robots touring human free earth oh, that showing one is the fantastic. mistakes we made all the way that around that one is fantastic just hysterical that, you know I find that that series if you guys watch it on Netflix is super well done it's yeah. all animated which is insane because some of them are clearly animation others you feel like you're watching the photographs uh, but 
some episodes are just fantastic, and the one Rich just mentioned, that one is gold. Just perfectly done. Um, others, especially this latest season, is so damn dark, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, Jesus, man. It's like, there's one that, without spoilers, because it can be any of them, really, that yeah, I, yeah. it ends with this giant monster and the character that we have been following, we find them Troops like... Troops in the spiders? Uh, I think, I can't remember. I don't remember the name of that, They are yeah. wandering the wilderness with their eyes gouged out. It's like, Jesus, man, that's yeah. a little heavy, heavy. much. I like the ones where they go... Well, there was one that was tragedy, but it was really well done. There was a... A Russian one from season one where they are all fighting that. these demons in Siberia. That seems to be like their standard storyline. They have special forces getting wrecked by demons. That seems to be one of their top uh, recurring themes. But that one was super well done. The other ones that I like tend to be the ones that mix almost comedy in it. Yeah, like yeah. there's one that I absolutely love in the latest season. Uh, I think it's called Maison's Rats. It's one where this guy is a rat infestation and the rats are evolving to actually use weapons and things. And, I think I just uh, saw a second of that. Did you see the one with the lady who's fighting her um, Zumba, her robot vacuum cleaner? Uh, no, I did not. That must have been an That's earlier few, season. Yeah. It's actually like the last one of the new yeah. ones. It was just on. No, I'm going to have to re-examine them all. But yeah. Maison's rats, if you guys are checking out... Um, I always want to say love, sex, and robot is not. It's love, death, and robots. Love, robot. death, and robots, yes. There's dark, uh, some dark ones for sure. There are a lot of dark ones, but Maison's Rats is actually, it starts bloody and a little gory like most of them do, but it's actually ends in a really sweet way, which is a pleasant change from the standard of that series. Yeah. So, and oh, each of the animations are different. It's oh, like yeah. Totally different yep. crew, different artists, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Yay! Quick break in the show to give some love to our sponsor for this episode. Today we're sponsored by freedomgrooming.com. These sweet folks sell electric razors, and the timing could not be better for me. Since I no longer have enough hair to justify my scarecrow look, it's time for me to shave. I currently sport the least amount of hair I've ever had, and I'm debating whether to do away with it altogether. If you entertain similar thoughts, freedomgrooming.com may be your new friend. They've worked shaving into a science, so you won't cut yourself thanks to their safeguard technology, and you'll cut 50% more hair with a single stroke compared to traditional razors. This means you're likely to shave in no more than 2 or 3 minutes. The razors are waterproof, so you can shave in the shower. You can sign up to receive new blades every few weeks, or not, up to you. Don't just take my word for it, though. They have over 10,000 five-star reviews. So to thank you for being such a loyal listener, we are partnering with Freedom to give you an exclusive 20% off when you go to freedomgrooming.com forward slash drunken. Again, that's freedomgrooming.com forward slash drunken. On a different note, we have a question by Mr. Armando. 
let's get into it. He asked a rather pertinent topic. Unfortunately, it's pertinent in pretty much every week for the past 20 years, 25 years, something like that. Yeah. So it's, uh, but in any case, I'll get to the point. He says, my oldest daughter is 15 years old and started high school last fall. We live in a decent area and she goes to a good high school. In the first half of the year, there were five shooting threats made. Each time the school was evacuated or on lockdown until things were secure. As far as I know, no kids had any weapons on them when they made these threats, and they were all verbal. I'm sure one of them was just trying to be edgy to impress their shitty friends. One of the times this happened when I went to pick up my daughter up after school got out, kids were stealing groups against the walls in the hallway, an hour after everything was cleared with some of them in tears. Emails were sent to all the parents each time and the school would go over the process they did to ensure the students that made the threat weren't going to do anything. The last time it happened, the Damas kid who made the threat, uh, like the father of the Damas kid who made the threat, was in the office yelling about how it's no big deal, you can't take a joke to the teachers and stuff. Mm. Um, it goes on, the rest of the email basically saying... Uh, this is the new normal this is what we are doing all the time um, and he's asking me specifically you know I've had a talk with Tiz about what to do in such a scenario um, you know what can you do because that's the reality we are living in uh, let me see if there was anything else in this yeah so uh, shit we well, live in a weird place. When we've reached a point yeah. where the police are afraid to go in oh, yeah. because he's got such a nasty gun, there's nothing else to be said anymore. I mean, it's... We can't. I used to have like people from Italy or other places who'd ask me, hey, aren't you scared to live in U.S.? It's such a violent place. And I was like, no, it's the media. You go around, everything is fine. And yeah, you know. A lot of the time is fine. Yeah. But then I stopped thinking there was uh, one day I was teaching class at Santa Monica College and one of my students was all clearly had issues in the sense that he had got shot in the legs during a drive-by, not tailored at him, but he still got shot. Actually, it wasn't a drive-by. It wasn't gang-related. It was a crazy guy who just started shooting from his car shooting just because. Up, yeah. And so the dude is never going to walk right again for the rest of his life because of that. Uh, without going far, still Santa Monica College, where I teach, have been the site of a shootout when some crazy guy walked onto campus, killed uh, five, six people, something like that, before being gunned down by the police. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is not even far somewhere. This is my me. That's a student in front of me. This is the school where I was teaching physically, walking actually the same path that I normally walk yeah. every time. So My son's classmate got killed at the Thousand Oaks right. nightclub shooting. And we're just two random dudes, and we both know people that were... Yeah. Majorly affected. Yeah. And so this is not a, oh, you know, once in a while, one bad thing happened and it happens... This is affect a lot of people, the ones directly, and then everyone else who knows them. And so this is a by now this is not a bug. This is a feature of American society, and an, an epic embarrassment. Yeah, because how it is tolerated is 
unexplainable other than let's make sure certain folks get more money. Well, the Onion has it yes. to perfection. Every single time that there's a mass shooting, which again by now is pretty much a weekly event, yep. the Onion published the same headline, which I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact wording, yep. but it's something along the lines of... Uh, it's, uh, oh, this is a terrible tragedy, but there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. Says the only country in which this happens all the time. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, doesn't happen anywhere else. Happens here. Maybe there's something about what we do here that has, uh, that leads to that. Now, I do think this is not a single issue thing. Like, people... The people who don't want to touch guns, they're all like, it's about mental health, which never mind the fact that these are some same party that then had uh, gutted the mental health programs. And if you tell them, okay, it's about mental health, then let's put a lot more into medical care for most citizens. We can break off $50 billion off the military uh, uh, right. and budget like, and get that going right now. And they're like, oh, no, we didn't mean it that way. No. It's not like we actually take it seriously. We're not going to take wanna... care of anybody. No, we just wanted to say it so you don't say that guns have anything to do with it. And also we can just say that it's because, uh, oh, the teachers are evil communists and they are messing kids' mental health. Not because you're actually going to deal you, with you real mean mental health. the same health. teachers that they want to arm? Of so course. They can arm, of course. Arnold, ooh, I was Arnold Schwarzenegger some shit myself right then. Yeah, they are like... Um, yeah, so, I mean, that shit is infuriating because it's such obvious hypocrisy and bullshit that they don't believe it in it themselves. However, I do agree with one point, not with those guys, but I do agree with one point that there's more than one factor at play. Yes, like we got to fix them all. Yeah, like guns are a factor. But They're not the only that, one. Yeah, the 18-year-olds that want to go do it, that's a massive factor. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at it, there are other countries where there are lots of guns available, from yep. Switzerland to Canada to a bunch of places where people, there are... Lots of video games and heavy metal. Right. <laughs> so that's not the fact. I mean, granted, those countries, they do have a lot of guns available. They also have a lot more regulations. So, yes, you can get a gun. Yep. But you are going to have to get a license for it. You're going to have to pass a screening. You're going to have to minimal shit. Because, you know, mo much of this stuff is not going to uh, screen everybody who's dangerous. It's easier to get a machine gun than it is to adopt a dog. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really is nuts. So, I mean, that's US for you. So, again, this is not saying, oh, all guns should be taken tomorrow. That's not at all the idea. First, it's no. not realistic. Second, there are many reasons why that's bullshit. But even thinking that, okay, let's say we pass the best gun laws there are. Will it help? Almost certainly. But will it solve the problem? I don't think so. No. Because there are other factors. And so, to me, the right approach is deal with all of them. You know, deal with uh, the gun angle and regulation and making sure that at least somebody who's that where there are major red flags in their background does not legally get their hands on guns. And guess what, by the way? The people who go out of their way to go black market, find illegal guns, uh, those tend to be more serious criminals. 
they are the, and and I'm saying it actually is a good thing because those are not the people who shoot up a school. Those are the people who get the guns to shoot up their rivals in a gang. Those are the people who are run. It's a business. It's not uh, oh I'm an anxiety uh, who's feeling suicidal and those are not the guys who show up in the middle of like some black market deal. Well, as they got much. shit to do and money to make. So while it's true that out like when there are regulations there are always wears around them typically the majority of cases that we are talking about about kind of lone gunmen who lost it and decide to kill a bunch of people those are in many many cases guns purchased legally they are not the no. illegal backdoor deal so there's that so regulations would it help at all but then of course there's a bunch of other factors what you about know? the advertisement <clears throat> involved yeah. i mean these kids playing all these Call of Duty games that's directly connected to gun makers. There's that. The advertising How also, I guess. How can you advertise like that? In another, <laughs> no, I know, that's fucking criminal. There's, in another sense, advertising of the, the publicity factor of it all. Like, I don't think it's a good idea for media to report in details on the background of the shooter, their name, their problems, because that fits into the narcissism of people who are just like... I'm miserable, I want to blow my brains out, but hey, everybody's going to talk about me, 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 and all my problems if I do this, so yay, I'll show you all, I'll teach you. Yeah, so how dark is that? Like, not only am I ready to die, Yeah. I just want to leave a little impression on my way out the door, and this is what you come up with. No, it's fucking, I mean... It's atrocious, and it says something about the health of American society right now, for sure, but also it's... uh, Take some of the incentives away, you know, pass a law that require media to keep it to the bare minimum, oh, yeah. where it's just you tell what it was so that people know what the motivation was, but you don't delve mm. into the background, the name, you don't feed the narcissism that create copycats. So, yeah. And that would take real legislation because nobody's going to do that. No, because of course it's limiting. They're all so busy trying to outdo each other with these molecules of information that don't even matter in the end. What Total. really matters is where was your resource officer? Where was, you know... And that would limit the rights of media. So technically, it is a infringement of free press. Yeah. Fuck it. I have no problem with that. How do you call yourself news when all you do is spread rumors? Yeah. And, and when you do something that's plainly and obviously damaging, yeah. you know, it's not something that... Because uh, the whole idea, you know, free press... it. Can you push out terrible opinions? Yes. Can you, should you have the right to do all that? Yes. But can you do stuff that produce zero, absolutely zero good and actively contribute to a problem? Maybe we want to rethink, you know, make an exception to some of the laws because those are problems. Mental health crisis, right? That's real heavy shit. This is not to say that everybody who uh, suffers from mental illness shouldn't have a gun because there are some people who clearly have a long record of having it under control. They are, they take their meds. They so there are people who, it's not to try to say everybody, because uh, that would be everybody in the US, right? But it's there like, was legislation passed to make it easier. No, I know. And that's where you start so, getting insane. Uh, it's like, at the very least, let's check a little deeper into it because you know when you look at mental health in us it's like i think i read about 15 percent of the country i read anywhere from 13 to 18 somewhere in there so in the sure. mid to high teens 
percentage is on some kind of antidepressant, which of course is not a bad thing. If you need it, you need it. But that means there's a large percentage of the population, almost one in five, yeah. who's suffering enough as to badly need medications to deal with a mental illness condition. <laughs> That's heavy, man. And it's not their f- it's not anyone's fault. No stretch of the imagination. That's not what I'm saying at all. It just means that living in US today is not the healthiest thing you can do for your mental health. When one in five, you start with that. And that's just <clears throat> that's just antidepressants. Yeah. How about opiates? Yes. That's going to be a couple, alcohol, three, four or, percent. Oh, yeah. Though the drinkers, we're going to put that. Now we're getting to 40. Yeah, because now you're self-medicating in a bunch of other ways. Cause, so you're dealing with the fact that an enormous, and never mind the people who suffer like crazy and are not on some kind of either self-medicated or medicated by the system or something. So yep. the numbers of people who are mentally struggling in one way or another, pff, take a number, right? It's most of the country so why do we continue to wade through this misery together right and when at the very least let's try to figure out what's happening what's causing it and again it's not a single answer by any stretch of the imagination you're gonna have a million different answers for it no what are some of the possible fixes what is that other countries are doing it's not like other countries don't have mental health issues you know maybe not to the same degree of us but of course there are still thousands and thousands of people in every country who suffer heavily from mental health conditions is it just the john wayne culture we're raised in i think that's where it's like there are many factors you know bunch of countries have a system of mental care they will you don't have to wait three months and pay money to get therapy or any kind of help so that makes it much easier Many countries have systems of extended family where people kind of take care of their family a lot more than in the individualistic U.S. approach where... Everybody spread out, craziness. And, and you know, the thing is, of course, somebody who's suffering heavily will be, in some cases, you try to take care of them and it's fucking hard, right? It's really, really hard because they are, because they are suffering, they are not necessarily always the easiest people to deal with all the time. So there's, you know, the family angle, the lack of mental health in access to free and cheap and easy. Uh, the whole elimination of, don't get me wrong, I mean, psychiatric hospitals often were terrible places with their own issues. But getting rid of them altogether, like the Reagan approach of closing down state mental hospital and all of that. And, and let just them hang to, out on Skid Row. Yeah, dump people in the street. problems. Yeah. That's not exactly a wise solution. No. Nope. You know? So there are, we mentioned the media angle. There's definitely the gun angle, which again, it's not a... The, all are important. You know, it's not one or the other that's important. They all are important. And yet, you know, the mental health would require us to put money into healthcare. Hell no, we're not going to do that. The gun one would require to go against the gun lobby and the straight up brainwashing that takes place in the US. Because again, I have nothing against guns, but the degree of uh, fetishism that exists in the US about guns is insane. You seen the pictures of folks with them spread across their carpet, and I've got eighty of them. Me, I got one hundred and five. Yeah, it's like 
Okay. I could probably put some siding on your house for a few of those guns. It's nuts. And that that's terrifying, those yeah. sort of photos. Yeah. And just as proud as I could be of it yeah. too. Like No, I mean it's disturbing. So and then there are cultural factors that those are very hard to change. There's I mean, US is a hell of a violent culture, more than the average out there in the world. There are there's the problems of capitalism itself in terms of the number of people one paycheck away from complete desperation. So th- there are all sort of things where they would need to be fixed, and but they are all complicated. They are all all they clash with again specific interests that people don't want to touch. Mm-hmm. Now back to Armando's question: What do you tell a kid about it? I wish I had the answer. I really do, because it's, um, I mean, realistically, there's nothing you can do. No, because it doesn't make sense to any of us either. No, and and there's nothing, there's no magic pill that protects you from any of this shit. It's random, the odds are not high that it happens. But but it happens enough that we worry. Exactly, it happens enough that we worry, and it happens enough that there is no, like by the time it gets to some crazy dude with, tons of weapons going around shooting people there is no magic solution to address it would have been preventively many steps before to prevent that from happening but once that's happening what the hell do you do it's the equivalent of uh, how do you prevent no not even because how do you present a car crash at least there's something there's 50 percent that you have control over how you drive your habits all that kind of stuff this stuff you don't. It's entirely out there. So it's uh Is somebody coming the other way just pulling into your lane. It's that random. Yeah, you have I mean no control right. over it. So but whereas this is just yeah, what the fuck do these poor kids in every other mass shooting, what can they do? Or what could their parents do? Or what not a whole lot. Realistically not a whole lot. But if we're at a point where we are not gonna tolerate it anymore, something must be done. Yeah. Or we can we go I mean, Sandy Hook ten years ago? What was it? Sandy Hook? Sandy Hook, I forget the exact date, but yeah, it was a while back. In the middle of Obama somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Ten years ago. Yeah. And that didn't stop or change anything. No, and I mean, and Sandy Hook was the latest in a long line, right? Because starting just the nastiest because with... they were little little kids. Yeah, of course. Like, what the fuck? Kind of like this one. Yes. You know, this is the one that recently just happened. I mean, by the time we release this, is probably about a month old. But like what happened in Texas, it's atrocious. <laughs> oh yeah, because we haven't heard about Detroit yet. Right. No, there is going to be one. And, and, you know, the week before was Buffalo. The week before, it's like really a feature of American culture. And the fact that so many people treat it like, oh, yeah, well, that just whatever. No. And then when you raise the factor that that is sort of a canary on the coal mine saying that there's something deeply unhealthy about American culture, people almost get offended. It's like, in what universe did you think this was healthy? In one universe, oh, it's uh, still only a minuscule percentage of the population. I'm like, we should be able to be rise above this. Yeah, and it's a minuscule percentage of the population that doesn't happen anywhere else. In the not even close to the same numbers. But obviously, we're a culture that gives a shit not about our children. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the parents are angry now. It's amazing. What though. is the police trying to stop you? They decided they're not going into the school. Oh, yeah. 
but they stopped the parents. They would so they have decide to shoot to, me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did like they didn't shoot, but they like cuffing people. Cuff, uh, yeah, tasing people. Yeah, it's insane. Why are you not in the fucking school, dude? Yeah, no, it's you. Pay, you signed up for this gig. Yeah, never mind exactly the whole police angle, which was downright shameful. You know, it was completely shameful. It's uh, I'm uh, I'm too scared uh, to deal with the dude who did not really have a gun because he moved his hand in a weird way, so I had to shoot him. But I'm too scared to go against the guy with the gun, so I didn't shoot. He's like, what the hell? It's it's inexcusable. Yeah, no, it's atrocious. It really is. So it's uh, yeah, it's another scene that's what i don't understand too is how can anybody look don't get me wrong politicians as a whole like i can think of very few examples of politicians in us that i'm not utterly and completely disgusted by no. across the board democrat republican across the board i can count optimistically on one hand how many i'm like no. oh this this person means well i can believe that they actually mean well katie porter and stacy abrams Two of my favorites. There, those are yours. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah. You think like people like Bernie are, uh, and Bernie's like twenty-two thousand years old, yeah. and it's still. He got fucked, man. We were close. No, but you know the thing is, I get it. Most politicians are terrible and they are corrupt and all of that. But there are some that you look at and it's like, who in their right mind who look at this person for six seconds and vote for them? Yeah. Not even you may have even the exact same position politically as this person, but you can see through the facade. You can see that they are utter and complete pieces of shit who are just trying to scam. You know, like take like somebody. Let's make friends. Take somebody like Ted Cruz. Where else could you go? Right. You look at Ted Cruz and first How? before a word is said. If you yeah. look at Ted Cruz and you don't see, it's like. E everything in your body doesn't curl up and you go like holy shit that's gross there's some seriously something wrong with your radar you haven't even spoken a word yet once he starts speaking I mean even like forget let's say you value what he values you value even at that is shit you know he's like a dude who had when Trump just tore into his family tore into his wife said horrible things about him, his family, his wife, everybody. And Ted Cruz is there licking his boots the next moment. That's a shitty human being. You know what I mean? He's like, you know, it's a tiny bit terrifying about that, though. If he did have any balls and he went and, and, and Will Smith, Trump, yeah. on the debate stage, yeah. that motherfucker could have been the president. Absolutely. But that, <laughs> you know, I mean, again, he would have the That's same... That's terrifying. He would have the same shitty political yep. stances, yep. but at least there's a minimum of you the guy... You wife. Yeah. The semblance of a spine. Oh. Whereas... And then even recently with the whole Texas thing, I've seen like a reporter was asking him questions. They weren't even that hard questions. No. And the way he switched, he intentionally... Like, the guy asked him, like, three or four follow-up questions. And each time, Ted Cruz is intentionally and obviously misunderstanding what the guy said so that he can answer something else. Yep. When the guy asked him, there, there is a sequence, but just to give you one as an example. When the guy asked him, hey, man, this is only happening in U.S. Yep. Like, there's one case here and there every 10 years, but the regularity, this is only happening in U.S. 
Well, that's just the outside media trying to make a mockery of our situation. And no, no, check out check how he turns it right. Because and again, the journal is not even making a criticism. He's no, making he's, he's stating, stating a fact. He's like the sun is out. This only happens in U.S. Cruz reply, "Oh, uh, I am sorry that you feel bad about American exceptionalism." So he's turning it into some patriotic thing. He's like, "Oh, you, you are picking on U.S." and he's yeah. like. No, that's not what's happening. He's not saying there's, but he turns it. It's yeah. like it's the only two words he heard in that sentence that were something that he could just yeah get the flag out and of course get the bobble out and swing them around. And the people who say otherwise, they are anti-American. Yeah. They're like demons. You, yeah, that's the word. You are a literal demon. Yeah. like that's what a demon does. Yeah, you know, and. Are there people like that out there? Of course. And so the same way as you look at a serial killer or a rapist or something, you're like, yeah, of course, there are human beings like that out there. But then the other part is, who the hell look at people like that yeah. and vote for them? I don't know. That's even more terrifying. I've been to Texas. Know. There's a lot of nice people there. You think they would know better. Right. I mean, and again, could do better. you can vote for some shitty politician who has the exact same stances but he's not a total scumbag like yeah. who clearly is like manipulating every which way and bending over backwards to to sell you something that he clearly doesn't even believe in no he doesn't give a shit about what the, 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 taking off to cancun as the as houston was freezing no that well, don't. <laughs> but in any the case balls. in any case yeah the i think the reality and i think that's why we end up uh, then people when it comes to this issue end up yelling at each other along parties online or picking on things because the reality of solving problems like these is complex. Yeah. It's not, not a one-step process. Not everybody's going to be happy. Process. Not everybody's going to be happy, and it's not a one-step process. Like, cause Think about how hard you would have to fight to pass something like more background checks, more regulation, get a license to get a gun. Again, not taking yeah. guns or, away, just making it a little uh, more regulated. Insurance on a gun. That would be insanely like it's almost unreal to think that that can happen. Yeah, and, and then my, you realize my buyback programs up here somewhere. Right, and then you realize that that's one of probably seven to ten things you would have to do to solve this issue. Or solve, you never solve, but you know what I mean. To make it rare enough and unlikely enough that we don't hear this stuff on a weekly basis. And so I think that's where people then get discouraged because they feel like, fuck, if if one looks next to impossible pulling off eight of those how in the world that's gonna happen you know everybody has to demand it yep yeah that's how it's supposed to work because to me like the test for anybody wanting to and i hate that we are talking about politics because this shouldn't be politics and and i think drives that drives to the point i'm trying to make is people who are in a position of power should be people who clearly in action and in words and in commitment are committed to the idea of we are going to work for a solution. We are not going to work to score partisan point. We are not going to work to the fact that I score a victory so that my little group of supporters is going to donate more money or better yet, some corporate interest who bought me off is going to make more money. We are committed to a solution, which means that inevitably there's going to be compromises there's going to be dialogue. 
there's going to be experiments where maybe are not sold, but you're like, okay, I'll, I'm willing to let you, why don't we try this? I don't think it's going to work, but why don't we try, see if the results come in good. Yeah. And if they don't, maybe listen to me on the next one. Let's go back to the drawing board. That should be how you handle shit. That's how adults handle shit. Hell, that's how smart kids handle shit. You know, it's like you get together and you work on, it's not my agenda or your agenda or my point or your point. It's, we got a problem. What's a solution? I don't want it to be my solution. I want it to be a solution. As long as you deliver the results, if you make sure that we don't have uh, dead kids in US on a regular basis, I'm down with that. You mean Show the, me a solution. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers aren't going to do it. Crazy, but we said huh? that for 10 years now, too. Yeah. Yeah, because by now you could have said, you want to arm the teacher, do it Yeah, for two years. Is, the, is there any improvement? No. Okay, that was a dumbass idea. Let's try something else. You know, but just to have a solution-oriented approach rather than an ideological one, that would change everything. And that, to me, should be the prerequisite for holding office. That should be the prerequisite that so if you have uh, somebody who's putting out a Supreme Court nominee and you decide to stall them for a year, that's not solu- that just you playing politics. That just you wanting to shoot in the nick up your political opponents. That's not... Yep. So all of that shit would be, I wouldn't mind if people, you are a little more conservative, you run for Republicans, you are a little more liberal, you run for Democrats, but you build, so you run through the traditional two parties because third parties don't get anywhere, sadly. That's the reality. I mean, and not because they couldn't or because the game is completely rigged against them in a way that it doesn't work. But then you have people who maybe are elected through two of the main parties who are committed to this idea of, no, we work together on solution finding. Doesn't mean we always agree, we'll compromise, but the idea is we're not enemies here. We're trying to find solutions to the same problems. Clearly, that doesn't work with money in politics. Clearly, that doesn't work with people who build their identity on their ideology. Clearly, that doesn't, you know. When did it go? Has it been this far off the rails in the past? I mean, one of the things that was funny, because I... Like not, in the 1830s was... I, I'm not even one of those guys who f- worship founding fathers, because a bunch of those people are complete assholes, but like, yeah. <clears throat> beside the point, one thing that they got right initially was the idea of uh, they didn't want political parties because they were afraid that political parties would lead to factionalism where people would, rather than working for a solution, they would be working to score a point for their party. So they try not to have them. That lasted about 12 and a half seconds. And then before you know it, factions were being created and I'll do you a favor if you do one for me. We side together against those other guys and it happened in three minutes. So the idea was there at the beginning. This is the danger of a democracy and uh, failure happened within minutes you know not literal minutes but you know like very very quickly from the start but even i I remember as a child tip o'neill and and ted kennedy Mm -hmm. they would find ways to work things out where there's just nothing nothing even gets discussed nothing why well i'm not even going to try because it doesn't matter No, and it's and of course it takes two to play that game. If uh, sure. you are the one who does it and you get slapped in the face every time from the other side, doesn't really make you want to do it too many more times, you know. Yeah. It's a situation that basically leads to paralysis, where there's no way 
to come up with lasting good solutions that are gonna work. And by the way, these guys are, you know, right now the whole abortion thing is like, yay, six to three uh, conservative Supreme Court is gonna push everything we want. Yes, and in 20 years when the Supreme Court is going to be switched, you're going to have the exact opposite thing happening. Because once you decide to play that game where you decide to just play asshole politics will screw over the other guys, there's a flux in power. You're going to get the treatment on the other side, and it's going to happen back and forth a million times. And it's like, wasn't it easier to find a working solution where people can start working on compromises that make sense, that are at least acceptable to most people, if not perfect. So the court has wrecked itself pretty well, hasn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I've been, uh, I'm working, I'm thinking of maybe I'll do a history on fire on it, on a, on a podcast on um, the 2000 election. Mm-hmm. Speaking of stolen election, there oh was God. flat out, you know, you hear all this, every other election, the losing party say that it's stolen. That one was actually stolen. Yeah. You know, that one was just. I don't know how the, I don't know how the Democrats will put up with anything. They don't fight. They're like, okay, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I read somewhere that, uh, I read somewhere an interesting theory that said that why are, why is the Democratic Party such shit? Because we agree that like the Republican Party, I don't know, pick a hundred issues. If I, if I think on any single issue I can think of, I think what's the worst possible take that anyone could have and unfailingly seems to be the, the Republican platform. Yep. But then you look at Democrats and they're like, how can they be such shit at not doing anything really? to really stand in the way of going in that direction. And one theory I heard that I was like, I don't know if I'm sold, but it's certainly intriguing is, because these guys have no solutions. It's not that they are smarter or they actually have good solutions half of the time. power trip too. Their claim to, their only chance to have any power is to point to the Republican Party doing the most batshit crazy things and say, We're if you them. don't vote for us, yeah. you'll get them. And so in a sense, the worse Republicans are and the more they do terrible things, the better it is for you as a party because it's pretty much your only platform to run on. And so I'm like, okay, I kind of see that. I don't know if he's that conscious, but maybe sure smells like it yeah because i'm like oh, okay no plans okay. but we're not them exactly <laughs> so i'm like hmm, 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 hmm. I, oh, someone's talking about packing the court and put 20 on there apparently the 11th district has 29 justices and they assign three justices at random the day of your trial so you right. can't get in bed with anybody or get yeah. everything figured out and to add 20 sounds crazy, but do 10 Democrats and 10 Republicans, so it's a mix. Yeah. Everybody has to agree to one thing, 18-year term limit. Well, and I mean, because that's the thing. And the reason why I brought up the 2000 election is precisely because prior to 2000, you could have at least the illusion that the Supreme Court was yeah. not a partisan body. From 2000 forward, it became very clear that it's playing politics as much as Congress, as much as... So it kind of undoes the very foundation of the Supreme Court, which is to have this legislative body that's above politics. It's not. It's as political as anything else. And it's nine people making, or five people making decisions. Yeah. It's just crazy. I've been interested in how John Roberts would step up amazingly in weird places, trying to slow down the avalanche, but uh, 
Yeah, because at it's, that point, at that point, if you acknowledge that is a partisan body, then treat it as a partisan body and do exactly what you say. Have it evenly split. Have it, you know, you don't change at that point. The Republicans always get five or ten or whatever. Democrats always get five or ten. Yeah. And they will force some kind of compromise. They will force some, or stolen, which is what often happens. But at least let's not kid ourselves with the idea that that's a nonpartisan body, because it is, 100%. And the proof is, you know, the way they shoved two justices, just refused one and then rammed one in. Yeah. No, no, it's no trouble. When it's our turn, we'll do what we want. See, that's that viciousness and that willingness to we'll do we'll do oh, yeah. whatever it takes. Uh huh. Big time. And or when the, your team doesn't have any of that, man, it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Clarence Thomas thing. Oh, what, how is that allowed? Like when you have actual political activists being in the in, ear, in the ear in the of bed. the right. And what you know is that. The Supreme Court justice is an actual political activist who just cannot say it, and so let his wife do the work that he would like to do, and then be. It's like it's a system that's fucked, and I think that's kind of the point of what we look at. That it's a system that's fucked across the board. It's a system that's fucked from uh, the food we eat, the kind of stuff that industrial agriculture has created. Is a system that fucked environmentally, politically, culturally mental health, you know, you, you check all the boxes and if you don't see an empire collapsing, I don't know what you're looking at. You know? uh, there's no way back, no way back around. <sighs> and the problem is that this is global. You know, some places are better than others, yeah, but, but it's not that they are... We're leading the parade on this one in absolutely. such an epic way. Oh, Just yeah, yeah. No, of course. don't care. Of course. And I, I, you know, the earth doesn't care. No. And that's where, in fact, it goes back to... You know, how do you change that? Because it's so huge, right? And of course, it's... It's our tree, man. How it, it took that long to get here. Yeah. There is no way. You're right. There's no way to flip a switch and have it over because the decisions that have to be made, take all the machine guns, a decision like that, that will just explode. Yeah, and so I think... So you can't do it. No. And, and I think where it's at is that on an individual basis, kind of connected with Armando's question, I mean, not specifically because we have no answer for that part like that. Good luck because we don't. Just be honest is what I would tell him. Right. Can't, but, can't candy coat it. World's, no. The world's scary. Terrible things do happen. The likelihood is tiny. Yeah. But no, you would be, it's smart that you are scared. Of course. And I think in that regard, what you do as an individual Think of it as you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? It's like when you create a character, when you create a character, you have only so many points you can spend in various things. So when it comes to creating positive change, there's, uh, you can put a bunch of points in try to affect the global picture, but the odds of success are really small. And you put all your points there for likely no or small return. If you're successful, it's huge, but you know, you have 0.0001 chance. You can put a bunch of points in the personal, which is great in terms of making things better in your family, neighborhood, which is something, don't get me wrong, and it's probably going to make you happy and it's going to lead to a more fulfilling life. Of course, the downside of that is that you are completely giving up on the notion that you can make a larger impact in a way that will affect the world at large. You're just saying... 
the world is going to hell i'm gonna carve for myself this little happy oasis and fuck the rest of the world i get it there's something a little defeatist about it somewhere in there i think you should put points in both with the understanding that one the odds that your points are going to be completely lost because you make no difference in anybody's life are are very high but if nobody does it then no actual bigger change will take place and you know your tiny little room of happiness is not exactly that meaningful in the great scheme of things so to me you got to do both right primarily is sort of like put the oxygen mask on you before you put it on somebody else kind of thing so you do need to create something in your immediate surrounding that lead to a happier life a better life for you and neighbors and friends and family 100 percent but then maybe don't be satisfied just with that try to see if there's any difference you can make on a slightly larger scale to uh, to have an impact you know and that can be maybe a single issue that you dedicate yourself maybe it can be you know like we had um Marcus Kowal on at one point who for personal reason because his son was killed by a drunk driver then he tried to figure out ways to work on that and little tiny wins here and there that may lead to some people's life being saved as a result of laws that are passed in that direction that's something right that's something that he still has his life he still put the focus on his life and his personal life and his friends and family but he's also doing something else trying to have an impact on a slightly larger scale my guess is that that's the way to go because mm, what's your guess the way it's actually going to go well because think about think about 10 years ago yeah nobody was thinking of the u.s on the edge of civil war and 10 years ago, it's not that we were looking at like, oh, what a rosy picture. No, not it at wasn't. all. But we didn't think this way. No, but holy shit, this is a slide downward. Yeah, definitely. It's... Yeah, man, that's why I think it's extremely important for mental health to find, carve you for yourself happy spaces. Make a difference in the lives of the people close to you. First for yourself, because if you are not healthy, hard to help other people. But like find way, and, and sometimes it's a feedback loop, right? You get better, you help other people, they help you, and it reinforces in a positive way that loop. But like you got to start small, because otherwise you just get frustrated and you feel powerless and you just feel like, ah, it's all useless anyway. There's no point. There's no point. That's nihilist. That is extremely, and you don't want to leave, I mean, on one end is realistic, yeah. but it's completely self-defeatist. You know, if you embrace that, well, you might as well start drinking vodka at eight in the morning and play video game until the lights turn out, because it's what's the point of anything anyway. Yeah. So instead, finding that's what I've but, always so, admired. But we're there again, aren't we? We're like the the bottom of the trough of just people. I I don't think the kids are very happy right now either. No. And they, you know, all they see is well, you know, we're gonna get blown away at school anyway. I mean, uh, is but we had our nuclear bombs on the, yeah. on the on the posters when we were, and I guess does it come in waves? You think that this or this pessimism or this is on fire and it's just been building? I don't know. This is pretty job. bad. Yeah, this is pretty bad. Isa is telling me that at school, like, and she says some of it is fashionable, so people just do it because they learn it from other people. Yeah, but a ton of the kids she knows are all like. 
Life sucks. It's all awful. I wanna cry all day. Or they actually are crying. And these are 12-year-old kids. Who have the internet and right. the world at their fingers. Yeah. And, and the, they're young. And this is like, what the fuck is so awful, man? Come on. Go outside. Yeah, <laughs> Put the phone down, man. But, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of it. So I think it goes back to the, you're listening to this. You are a decent human being. You are a hero in my book. Anything that you're doing to help out somebody else, any act of kindness to somebody else, anything that lead to people feeling a little more hopeful and not feeling like they want to give up on things, you are doing, you're doing the best that any human being can do. You know, you're doing something wonderful. You should pat yourself. No, you haven't won the Nobel Peace Prize because you solve all of the world problems and it's probably not going to happen tomorrow either. No. But you are doing something incredible that's all that anybody can ask you to do. And if you keep doing that, my romantic hope is that ripples can have a larger and larger and larger effect yeah. until you start seeing some of those changes happening also on a larger scale. Go make some ripples. Well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Number 220 is in the books. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And we're just going to jump out here. Send you on your way. Have a great day, evening, afternoon, wherever you happen to be. Hope to see you next time around. 221 will be out in just a couple of weeks. Be well and have a great day. Bye. Sweet. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at RichieMon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. In questo cazzo, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Eh? Oh, man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been no, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs>
<laughs> so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh... Uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell Can me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. Well... <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> That's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Why?